Welcome to the Christian Life Church Podcast. We hope that you enjoy and are encouraged by this week's message. And if so, we would love for you to visit clcwinnipeg.ca to get further connected with our ministry, to submit a prayer request, or to find out how you can take the next step in your relationship with Jesus Christ. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Christian Life Church Winnipeg. And we pray that you would be blessed through the message you're about to hear. Let's look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. There was a young man who was uh, getting married. And it was time for him to go and meet his future in-laws. So him and his fiancée went to her parents' place. They had a lovely dinner, nice casual conversation. And the wife says to the husband, the dad, she says, I think you should take him in your study and have a little chat with him and kind of check him out, see what he's like. They hadn't really gotten a chance to get to know him yet. It's okay. So he says to the young man, why don't you come with me? Let's just sit down and have a little visit. And so they go off in the study, and the dad closes the door, and they sit down in some nice chairs, and father asks the young man, so I want to know about your plans. You want to marry my daughter? I want to know about your plans. He said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And the young man says, well, I am a biblical scholar. Oh, the father replies, that's, that's impressive. Um, I'm just wondering, uh, my daughter has lived a, a good life. I've provided for her a comfortable home. How do you propose to provide a home for my daughter? Well, he said, I will study and God will provide for us. Okay. So you want to put a ring on her finger, and I would expect that it's going to be an impressive ring. She's an impressive young woman. How do you propose to pay for an engagement ring? Well, I'll, I'll concentrate on my studies. I am a biblical scholar, and, and God will provide. Okay. So you get married, and you're going to have children, I suppose. I hope so anyway. How do you propose to support my grandchildren? Well, God will provide. The conversation continued like this, and to every question it was always, God will provide. After all was said and done, and the young couple left, and the husband and wife were left at home, his wife turns to him and says, Well, honey, how did the conversation go with him? He said, Well... He has no job, he has no plans, and he thinks I'm God. (laughs) Meeting the in-laws can sometimes be a little bit intimidating. And being welcomed into a family cannot always be assumed. 
it's not always smooth. And for everybody involved in these kinds of arrangements, it does take a lot of work. Every family has its unique culture, its unique dynamics. And when couples come together, they come from oftentimes very different backgrounds, and they have to find their way and create a home and balance the demands and the expectations oftentimes, spoken or unspoken, of both sides of the family. And they can be very different, and it can be very tricky. Every family has a culture. Every church has a culture. Every church has a unique dynamic. Every church, I think, has a, a different feel to it. And when people walk into a church, they will oftentimes have many different things that they will consider as to whether or not they're ever going to come back again. And we oftentimes wonder, as churches, as church leadership teams across this country, when people come and don't return, we will sometimes wonder what, what went wrong. Why, why didn't they come back? Or, or why don't they like us? Why wouldn't they stay? We like ourselves. Why wouldn't they want to come back? And that's, that's a big issue that we just grapple with all the time. And a big issue for people when they're walking through the doors of a church is, will I be welcomed? And I think most churches are pretty good at welcoming people, but will I be accepted? Will I be included? Do they want me? Will there be opportunities for friendship, for relationship? or opportunities for service. Will any of this happen? But I want to share with you a few slides this morning and a few thoughts about our mission statement that we as a church have derived at or come to form. We had a mission statement for a number of years that I think served us well. And over the past several months, as we have been talking and deliberating and praying and and discerning what it is that God is calling this church to, we came to a conclusion that our mission statement should look something like this. We will welcome, serve, and connect our community with the transforming power of the gospel. That is the mission statement of Christian Life Church, that we will welcome, serve, and connect our community with the transforming power of the gospel. And each one of those words has some fairly significant meaning and background to it. The transforming power of the gospel. Let's talk about the transforming power of the gospel for a moment or two. When we think about the transforming power of the gospel, we realize that that God loves all of us so much that he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross for us. And Jesus died on the cross. He rose again. And he ascended to heaven. And is there making intercession for us. He is, 
He is like our lawyer. He is like our advocate before God, speaking in our defense and speaking on our behalf to the Father in heaven. And so, when we sin, when we are tempted, and when we sin, we ask Jesus to forgive us, and through him we find forgiveness. When we come to Christ and we commit our life to Christ and say, Lord God, I, 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 I accept your son Jesus into my heart and into my life to be my Savior, and I ask you to forgive me of my sins, Jesus provides forgiveness. And it's provided in that he died on the cross in our place for our sins. He didn't die for his sins. He died for your sins and my sins. And through Jesus, we have salvation. And when we have salvation, when we have Jesus, our lives are literally transformed. They're literally transformed. We go from a place of not knowing where we're going to spend eternity to having peace and assurance that we're going to be in heaven. We go from a place of feeling guilt and shame over things that we've done to, to just having that, that settled and, and, and being at peace and knowing that we are forgiven. And so we can receive Christ and we can know Christ and we can have the assurance of eternal life. I like what one author said. He said, our God is a welcoming God. He welcomes anyone and everyone who believes on Jesus into his family. While he lived on earth, Jesus always welcomed anyone into his presence or to whatever he was preaching or wherever he was preaching at the time. With Jesus as our example, we should never be shy about welcoming others, whether it's welcoming friends into our home, visitors into our church, or just saying hello to a stranger on the street. As Christians, we should display the welcoming attitude of God. When we are welcoming people into the family of God, we are welcoming them into a, a relationship that can transform their lives and their eternal destiny. If you're taking notes, you can write that down. We're welcoming them into a relationship that can transform their lives and their eternal destiny. The most important invitation that any of us can receive in this world is an invitation to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That is the only invitation that can change our lives completely and can change the direction of our lives eternally, where we know that we can be saved from our sins and we can spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. The most important welcome that we can offer to somebody is to welcome them into the body of Christ, into the family of God. That's one of the most important welcomes that we can ever offer to somebody. And so I want to leave us this morning with a few important thoughts from our passage of Scripture here today. And the first one is this, following Jesus' teaching. Following Jesus' teaching raises the bar for each and every one of us on how we treat other people. Think about that. 
how a believer treats another person, how somebody who is a follower of Jesus treats another person, should be with the greatest measure of love and the most Christ-like example and approach to people that we can ever have. I remember a number of years ago when I was in sales. I'm, I'm, I'm sad to say that most of my customers were pretty good. But I'm also quick to point out that some of my very best customers were people who were followers of Jesus. But on the extreme opposite end of the scale, the very worst customers I had were people who were followers of Jesus. And it was embarrassing as a Christian businessman in that environment, working with non-believers, to have to identify with them. Their attitudes, their treatment of us, their accusations, it was deplorable the way some people behaved, and yet they would be involved in their churches and in ministries. And as an undercover pastor at the time, I wanted to sometimes shake them and say, what are you doing? What kind of witness are you living? When we follow Jesus' teaching, and when we claim to be followers of Christ, we are held to a high standard. And we're going to look this morning at what Jesus' standard for us is. You see, Jesus says in this passage of Scripture in, in Matthew 5, verse 46 and 48, he says this, there's no reward in you loving your friends. No reward. There's nothing special about that. He, he says there's really no effort that you have to put forward in loving somebody you like or being friendly to somebody that that you count as, as a friend. And what Jesus is doing is he's calling us to a fellowship that embraces differences. You see, as a, as a church, we always will run the risk of defining ourselves by who or what we are against. And Jesus holds a different standard than that. Jesus wants us to define ourselves by what we are for. And when you look at Matthew chapter 11, verse 19, we see what Jesus was for. For John, verse 18, came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. And the Son of Man, Jesus came eating and drinking, and they say he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is proved right by her actions. What was Jesus for? He was for sinners. He was for tax collectors. He was for drunkards. 
who's a friend of them. And Jesus didn't protest their actions or their lifestyles. He befriended them. They were very different than him. Now, he wasn't affirming their lifestyle. He wasn't condoning their lifestyle. He wasn't compromising his holiness. No, he wasn't. He was still the Son of God. He was still sinless. He did not stoop to the depths of depravity that they stooped to. But somehow, he was enabled to embrace their differences and embrace them as people because it was for them that he came to save. It was for them that he came to die. It was for them that he came to lay his life down. And it wasn't this obscure thing, I'm, I'm going to do this grand finale at the end of my life and, and, and they're going to nail me in a cross and everybody's going to talk about it. No, while he walked through this life, he laid his life down for them. And he loved them. And he embraced them. And he was a friend to them. And he sat with them. And he listened to them. And he wept with them. And he fellowshiped with them. Jesus defined himself not for what he was against, but for what he was for, and he was for sinners. Who in society today is scorned and reviled and hated and unloved and unlovable? Who are the outcasts? Who are the rejected ones? Who are the downtrodden ones? Who are the ones who are discriminated against? And Jesus' words should open our eyes that he is for the most broken. He is for the people in our culture and our world that are rejected and, and, and looked down upon. And he welcomes them. He welcomes them. He laid his life down for them. And I firmly believe that among Jesus' people, among us, they should be welcome. And they should find the warmest welcome and the greatest level of love and mercy and grace that they will experience anywhere. We win people over by loving them, not by being against them. The second point I want to make this morning is following Jesus' example. Following his example. And when we look at Luke chapter 9, verse 11, it says, But the crowds learned about it and followed him. Well, I'm going to go up a little bit. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. And then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. So we have this picture here of Jesus sending out the 12, them coming back to him, the 12 disciples, them coming back to him, telling him what happened. And I would well imagine that they were weary, they were tired, they were probably spiritually, emotionally, and physically spent. And so it says that Jesus withdrew 
with them to a town called Bethsaida. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. And how did he respond? He welcomed them. They were tired. They were weary. They had been out doing ministry. They needed to refresh. And it says, and he welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Now, there was a certain amount of pressure on Jesus and the disciples at this time in their lives and ministry. There was persecution that was taking place. John the Baptist had recently been beheaded. And these were not ideal circumstances for them to be out there doing ministry. But as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see a few things, and you can write these down. He welcomed them, he ministered to them, and he gave of himself to them. He welcomed them, ministered to them, and gave of himself to them. What Jesus came to do was to proclaim the kingdom, to heal the sick, and his welcome was the first part of his invitation to be transformed by the power of the gospel. He welcomed them. It was an opportunity in him welcoming them for them to step into a better life. It was an opportunity for them to be welcomed into a life where they would find hope and healing and deliverance and salvation. And when we as a church welcome our community in the transforming power of the gospel, we are doing the same. We are welcoming people in who walk through the doors with the hope that broken lives will be made whole, that the rejected would find a place of acceptance, that the unloved would find a family, that the lonely would find a community, that the immigrant that moved here and is all by themselves would find a place of belonging, that the kid that grew up on the streets in the inner city of Winnipeg and only knows a life of crime and violence would find another way of living, would find moms and dads that will mentor them and help to shape them and to give them hope. See, that's my heart. That's my dream. Not that we would just be a large church and grow in numbers. So many churches today are a mile wide and an inch deep. Not to despair any of them. But that we would go deeper in people's lives. That we would make a difference. And that they could all experience the transforming power of the gospel as we have experienced it. Or as we are experiencing it. Because we are a group of difference, different backgrounds, different experiences, 
different cultures, different lives, different economic circumstances, different ages, different races. We're a congregation of difference. And we want to continue to be a congregation of difference where people are healed and restored and they, they find hope. See, Jesus welcomed a, a crowd of strugglers. He welcomed the crowd of, strang- of stragglers. He welcomed a, a crowd of people that were inquirers. A welcome, a warm welcome, banishes feelings of not belonging. And Jesus welcomes you. And through the love of Jesus, we welcome others. He helps to do away with the feeling that I'm a burden. I'm a burden. I'm a drag on other people. Does away with that feeling. Because through Jesus, we welcome others. And we welcome them with their struggles and with their baggage. We do that through Jesus. I was thinking about this morning that the church, Christian Life Church, is kind of like the roads in Winnipeg. We're never completely fixed. And we're always seeming to be under construction. Right? (laughs) We're always a project. We've never completely arrived. As one person said it, we're never completely broken and we're never completely fixed. We are always in process. And I love it. I love it when the broken can be in a church and say, I need help. And we as a church can respond. And we welcome them with the transforming power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last point I want to make this morning is paying it forward. I'd like us to look at a verse in Romans. Romans chapter 15, verse 7. Accept one another, then, just as in Christ you were accepted in order to bring praise to God. Accept one another, just as Christ accepted you. Paying it forward. Paying it forward. You see, Christ accepted us. You are accepted. If you're here and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm a believer in Jesus, you're accepted. If you've been coming for a few years or a few months or a few decades, you know you're accepted. You belong. Jesus accepts you. He accepts me. And the gospel makes it clear that God gave his son, Jesus, for whoever believes in him. That whoever believes in him will be saved. And we reaffirm that that Jesus loves us, that Jesus cares for us, that Jesus died for our sins and 
and, and through Jesus Christ, we have forgiveness of sin. We can open our heart to him and, and receive him as our Savior and, and know that we have eternal life and know that we're forgiven. Jesus accepts you. Jesus welcomes you. And may we as a church be a welcoming church. May we welcome people to church. May we be welcome in our demeanor. May we be an inviting people. Sometimes when we're inviting people to church, we're, we're, it's a really a deeper invitation, isn't it? It's not just come join my club. We care about people, and we want them to be with us in heaven. We want them to hear the gospel. We want them to be part of the family of God. That's what an invitation to church is, and we should be inviting people to church so that they can be able to respond to Jesus' invitation to come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, that they would find rest and salvation and hope in Jesus. And so, this morning, I close with this. We will welcome, serve, and connect our community with the transforming power of the gospel. That's our mission. This church is a community. It has a culture like every other church. It's unique. It has a style. We accept each other. We like each other. We're friendly to each other. But may I challenge you that when others walk in, when they respond to an invitation, when they come into our spiritual home, we realize that they're coming into our turf, a place that we feel comfortable. And when they walk through these doors, they come in feeling sometimes unsure. Will they be safe? Will they be accepted? And they come in not yet feeling like they belong. And it's our responsibility as a family of God to cause people to feel like they belong. Because we care about them, and we care about their eternity. And we want to go to heaven with them. How do we be a family to everyone who comes? How do we lovingly support the broken? the outcast, the rejected, the mentally ill? How do we welcome people who come in from other parts of the city or from around the world or maybe just down the street? It starts with this. It starts with this. Very simple. It starts with walking across the room. If you see somebody that you haven't met before and you've seen them for a few weeks and you haven't talked to them, the question is, why not? Why haven't you walked across the room? Why haven't you welcomed them? Why haven't you invited them out? Why not? It starts with that. It's important. And that's where it starts. It starts with a smile. It starts with an introduction. And it continues with an offer of lifetime friendship. That's what it continues with. It continues with coffee. It continues with lunch. We're welcoming, we're including, and we're valuing. 
Let's pray. Father, we come to you today, and you're so good to us. And Lord, we want to be a welcoming church. We want to be a welcoming people. We want to be welcoming individuals who care for people and who love people and who want to see their lives changed and renewed and transformed by the power of the gospel. And so, Lord, would you help us in that? Would you help us, Lord, to to be the kind of people that make it easy for those who need you to find a place of belonging and acceptance and love? Make it easy for people to feel welcomed into the family of God. And Lord, we just commit ourselves to this today, and we pray that you'd help us. Help us, Lord, to break past our shyness and insecurities and and, and just trust you to, to walk with us and help us and to step outside of our own comfort zones at times. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.